Um, people use bookmarks like bacon in their books. Uh, $20 bills are a thing people put in books. So there's some very unique and interesting things about libraries. Would you say bacon's the weirdest bookmark you found? Uh, for me, yeah, well, candy in in books. I don't, you know, people put things and it gets sticky and it's just gross. Um, I guess there's been some very random things people have put. You know, if you Google it, it kind of blows your mind what people will put in um, books and what they'll find. I guess there was one recorded case of smallpox. They found some smallpox samples inside of a book that somebody had put in there and they were still um, viable, I guess, from 100 years ago. Welcome to Seaside 101. We're your hosts, Aiden and Mary. This podcast is a collaboration between the City of Seaside and Seaside High School. In this series, we're interviewing Seaside City officials to learn more about what goes on behind the scenes. The goal being to educate the public and inspire people to get involved in their communities. Today, we're here with Esther Moberg, who is our Seaside Library Director. All right. So first question for you, uh, what responsibilities is your department in charge of? So my department is the library for the city. So we uh, do all the kind of the community services, resources. We're kind of a hub for the community in that way. Um, I also am a public information officer for the city in addition to that. And I assist with other jobs as needed, including emergency operations for the city. So what's your specific role within the department? So I actually am the director, so I run the library, the day-to-day building operations and staffing, and um, just oversee everything within the library itself. So how many people do you have working at the library? So I have nine staff. It's about five FTE, full-time equivalent. And then we also have about, right now we have about four volunteers, and then we also have a Friends of the Library group. We have a library foundation group and a library's reading outreach group. So we have three nonprofits in addition to our staff. What's your background slash education? So I have my master's in library science. So I did about seven years post-grad school. And then I've also got my bachelor's in business, which is organizational administration. So quite a bit of schooling is in my background. I've also done um, post-educational work beyond that. I currently have my certificate in public library administration, which is something you get beyond the master's degree. And for those who don't know, including me, what exactly is library science? So it's, it's considered a soft science because you're studying about libraries, and we often say, oh, I wish they'd taught me this in library school. There's a lot of things they don't, like how to run a building in the HVAC system, for example, or fundraising type of things. But um, it's, it's a lot about just organization and understanding, you know, within a library, collection development, staffing, uh, organizing a building so it runs for a library, you know, people management, those types of things are really important. Um, A lot of, too, with libraries, it's not just sitting around reading all day. It's not just reading books to kids. A lot of it's about resources and getting people to the right tools. You know, you think of Google. Google has all the information. The library kind of brings you the right information for what you're looking for because people come in looking for one specific thing. We usually try to help and get them the most credible resources with that one thing in mind. What led you down this path? I started in Astoria at the age of 17 at the public library there. 
And they actually called me and they said, we have a job opening for a library page. Would you be interested? You're in the library all the time. So I started there and then I said, what does it take to be a librarian? And they said, well, you have to get your master's degree. And I'm like, oh my word. <laughs> uh, so, but I started on the path. I had some great mentors and that really kind of shaped where I went. And I tried a lot of different um, libraries along the way and I landed on, I really like public libraries the best. Uh, what's your favorite part of your job? Oh, I, you know, I love books. I love people. I think you really have to love both of those in order to be in a library. There's also my current job. And I, like I said, I've done a lot of different ones. Uh, my current job, uh, there's so many different things you do from, a, I mean, today I'm doing a podcast. I've been on the radio. I've been on TV. Uh, I write grants. I, you know, I interact with so many people. And the best part is everybody loves the library. There's, you know, people come in and they just give us love. They give us donations. They can't speak enough about what the library's done for them. Um, one of my favorite stories, the way the Seaside Library, the new building got started is a man came up to the previous director and said, I want to give you some money. And she thought he was crazy. He looked homeless and he handed her his stock portfolio for $500,000. And he then proceeded to help them get the new building off the ground, which is the one we have today. Um, and he said, you know, the library was where I went. I didn't have formal schooling. I think he dropped out of school at eighth grade. He's kind of self-taught himself through the Merchant Marines. But he said, the library is where I got my education and I wanted to pay that forward. Uh, so that really, to me, kind of speaks to what libraries do for people. What kinds of things do you do to sort of like advertise a library to draw people in? Yeah, so I'm out in the community quite a bit. Um, we also have, of course, our library board and other people that all speak about the library. So I, you know, I go to the business meetings in the, in the community. Um, I do social media. We do a lot to try and um, see if people need the resources we have, and then we promote. Um, so I'll go out and I'll talk about events. Uh, we'll put posters up. You know, we have art shows. We do, uh, we try and do a blend of things to draw on people with all different interests. And, and we talk about lifelong learning, you know, so what for people will draw them in? What are people looking for that's not just books sitting on a shelf, but information and access to resources. So with constant innovations in technology, how has the library evolved over the years? Yeah, about eight years ago, you know, people said ebooks, audiobooks online are the way of the future. In eight years, there won't be any more paper books. And we kind of planned for that. I kind of thought at some point we wouldn't have books on shelves anymore. I thought digital was going to be Kindles and we would just have tablets. But it turns out people want all. They don't want just one specific type. And also people do have preferences. So some people love digital the most. They're on their phones, they're on their tablets, they're on their laptops using all the digital content. Other people want the paper. They want the way their brain reads and digests information. It connects better for them. And we do see brain development works differently for the digital versus paper. People want both. They want access to and choices. They want options. So we can't, we often have to have it in all formats, not just one, because people are looking for all. So it was interesting because we kind of thought, hey, we could start putting more and more money here. And then it's like, no, no, you have to spread the money across all now because every they want everything. Um, although it is interesting, you know, cassettes used to be part of it, CDs, records. And now it's like those things are all digital content for the most part, you know, music streamed. So there are changes that we see and we are adapting with that. But, you know, it's just a matter of what what is the consumer looking for? What is the best resource? And then it's also access. Not everybody has the Internet. 
So, you know, you can't say it's only digital content. You have to provide access. So for libraries, that's critical because we want access for everybody. Uh, tell us something about being a library director that might surprise the general public. My job is a little more unique than some library directors. I get some really unique jobs like inspecting the sewer treatment plant. Um, I've been on the roof of the police station. Uh, we had an emergency one time with the fireworks. Uh, the uh, lights went out across the entire town and we had to troubleshoot that. So a lot of my job isn't what people necessarily think. A lot of it's, you know, dealing with people or uh, resources, that type of thing. I have a lot of fun in my job too, though. There's a lot of great aspects to my job that people might not be aware of as well. I mean, like I said, people come in and they can't say enough about the library and just interacting with people. I mean, so many people are just it's just exciting to be around and I love this community and what they do. So um trying to think of yes, some unique situations, but I say there's never a dull moment. There's a lot of funny stories. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've found entire chickens on top of our cooked chickens on top of our book drop that people just leave there and they're still hot and steaming as with, and they leave them. Um, I think I've had five of those I've had to deal with. Um, Random things happen at libraries that you would not expect. Um, people have put meatballs in our parking lot for some unknown reason. So there's some very unique and interesting things about libraries. That sounds like a lot. What are some of the more challenging situations you encounter in your position? You know, sometimes it's just behaviors in the library. Unfortunately, sometimes people come in and they're having a bad day. And we just ask, you know, people respect other people's space. And sometimes it becomes a conflict between that. So, you know, if you're having a bad day and it just disrupts the entire library, unfortunately, that means we may have to ask you to leave either for the day or even like an indefinite trespass. So that does occasionally happen. Um, it's the 1%, though. You know, the most part, people want to be in the building. Even people with mental issues, they love the library. And, you know, this is their refuge, you know, for people that are houseless, especially. We all want to be there and use it. So um, those can be challenging, but it's also the reverse is true that we see really good things when people are using the library and have a safe place to be. So, yeah. For our On the Street segment, we've sent out our fellow FPLA members into the city to gather questions from the public. This question's for our library director, Esther Milberg. I know the library serves a lot of different people and has grown a lot over recent years. What is the library doing to improve accessibility for patrons? The library has been doing a lot lately to increase accessibility to patrons. Uh, the Library Foundation has been offering us some opportunities to purchase door openers for our bathroom doors so people can now do a hands-free wave their hand in front of the door and they will open automatically both inside and outside of the bathrooms. And then also the foundation has sponsored a um, computer station that has um, high visibility keyboard, a station desk that lifts and lowers for uh, wheelchairs or standing, and then also a keyboard or a, excuse me, a mouse that has better tactile feel for it, as well as the ability with the screen to make it brighter or make the fonts um, more readable. In addition to that, the library board has also been reviewing outside accessibility options, including future plans to uh, redo the side path that is currently not handicap accessible, and then also our walkways into the property grounds that are currently not handicap accessible either. So we have a lot of things in the works 
In addition to uh, another goal in the next two years is to redesign our signage throughout the library, which actually will include some Braille. So you've talked a little about adapting to modern needs. What's your vision for the library going forward? Well, we keep um, looking at ways to do better services in the library. So right now, the three public libraries in the county, we actually share our cards. So if you have a card at the Seaside Library, you can use it in Astoria or Warrington. You can check out and return books either place, and we have a courier system in between. Um, and we're looking at ways to even better expand those services. So we have a, a library card for kids ages 0 to 19. It's called the Rock Card. So that's for all kids in Clatsop County to get a free card regardless of where they live. And we're looking at ways, our hope is in the future, to have that library card work both in the schools and at the library. So like you get one card and it kind of follows you throughout the county, no matter where you live in the county. Um, so your card will use, you can use it for ebooks and audiobooks online. You can check out books at your school library. You can check out books at any of the three public libraries. So that's our goal that we're working on. And of course, we would love to have more library services out in the county. Um, right now, there are some unserved areas. We'd love to have a little satellite libraries or even a bookmobile that goes out. That's kind of our five to ten and even um, permanent library services like a library district at some point. They've tried many times and failed, but I think looking at different things and, and kind of recrafting that so it, it makes sense for people would be great. What are some of your biggest accomplishments that you've implemented over your directorship? Um, Libraries Rock is a big one. So that started before me. It was actually started as a grant, but it's been permanent now for eight years. I've been at the library for almost 10 years, um, and we created a nonprofit. So it's mostly self-sustaining, but the county also supports it. So that I'm very proud of. Um, I also started the Library Foundation for our library as a nonprofit. I got the experience of creating that and then um, started an endowment for Rock, which was a great experience for me as well. So I think seeing those things build up and be self-sustaining is important. Um, I can't take credit for it because I have amazing staff, but my staff work directly with the schools and we keep looking at ways we can better help serve the you know, librarians at the schools, the library assistants or the students. You know, What are ways we can bring programming? We actually, before COVID, had a plan to bring some of our programs up here. Um, unfortunately, COVID happened, so we had to retool how that looks. So a lot more virtual stuff happened at the middle school and things like that instead. So this is a question we ask everybody, but it's especially topical for you. And that is, uh, what have you read or listened to recently that's inspired you? Nothing. I don't read. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I read all the time. Um, I, this one, actually, I haven't read recently, but I really enjoyed. It's a nonfiction, which I don't always read nonfiction, but it's a book about salt, if you can imagine. And it actually talks about this history of salt throughout the world. And it tells you how, like, all of the the worlds, um, like, in the Middle East and everything, all the, the roads were crafted around where salt was. And you don't think of it being that, like, life-changing for the entire world, but so many resources like food and things this you know before refrigeration what did you do you salted everything and so it's kind of fascinating like how many people had to eat like salted fish it's just gross i don't even eat fish um but how much of it was around the resource of salt it's a it's a fascinating book we have it at the library 
Um, I love mysteries. I read a lot of mysteries, um, a lot of the classic mysteries. So I'm always reading, like Charles Todd is an author that I read often. It's actually a mother-son duo that write these Inspector Rutledge um, stories. The guy, he went through World War One, and then he has this like post-traumatic stuff. So he, he, always, he unfortunately had to court-martial somebody and have them killed. And so this guy's always in his mind, be on his shoulder, like when he's doing these murder investigations. Hamish is his name. Um, so he's, he's got the character, but then this other character in his mind all the time, which is kind of an interesting, very tortured person, but also solving mysteries. So I enjoy those. But um, I could go on and on about books. I enjoy a lot of them. Uh, there's another book I just read that's called That Cheese Plate Will Change Your Life. And it's all about charcuterie and how you arrange cheese platters. And um, so that's a fun one if you really want to get into like, hey, here's an amazing spread I just brought out to my friends. Look at how special this salami is. So anyway, kind of fun ones. Northwest Oregon is no stranger to pop culture. The classic film The Goonies takes place in Astoria and was filmed on the location. The movie features scenes from all up and down the coast. That one's pretty well known. Did you know that we had an episode of Ghost Adventures filmed in Astoria a couple years back? They explored the apparently haunted tunnels underneath Astoria as well as the Liberty Theater. Who are the most influential people in your life? Oh, you know, you talked about how my education was and everything. I do have to say a lot of librarians have mentored me through the process. Um, librarians are always great about encouraging each other and encouraging not just librarians, but uh, the director, the two directors at the Astoria Public Library, um, Jane Tucker and Bruce Burney, very much mentored me into this being a library director. Um, I, you know, I have some friends that are amazing professional colleagues, but then also like I have a friend who's a therapist back in Colorado that really inspires me. She kind of launched her own um, company and has done amazing things. So I've really, I've been inspired by her as well. So a, a lot of people really have um, mentored me and inspired me, I would say. Yeah. It sounds like librarians are eager to mentor future librarians. Do you have any advice for those pursuing a similar career? Um, I have mentored other people in my profession, and I, you know, I say volunteer if you can to start to see if you really like it. Uh, try out different positions. I used to be a children's librarian. I've I've run a very small college library. Um, I've done a quite a bit different roles. Um, so it's trying all of them, like schools, academic, public. Um, there's even special libraries. You know, there's law libraries, things like that. There's even wine libraries. You know, you can get Nike has a library, which is like materials and things like that. Um, so there can be very fun different types of librarians. So it's kind of explore what you like about it and then see if it works for you. There's also um, museum libraries and art libraries. So, yeah. Beyond reading books, what do you do in your spare time? I have a hobby farm. Uh, it's four acres out in Almy. So I have a cow. I have about 60 animals. So I do that in my free time. Um, so I sell eggs and things through the North Coast Food Web. So that's a hobby I do. I also just took a ukulele class. Um, I'm trying to learn pottery, uh, which is a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoy knitting, cooking, a lot of different things. So a lot of a lot of fun things I enjoy. I like to run. I just ran the hood to coast. Um, it was my first time and it, it went really well. So I ran 19 miles. So. Lastly, if you were in our shoes, what's a question you would have asked the library director? Oh, um, I don't know. Uh, 
you know, people often think libraries are just these silos of information. And honestly, we're very much more dynamic than that. I mean, I did have what they call a, a, a bar call the other day where people are, you know, they'll ask random questions like how tall is John Wayne or, you know, bar bets or, you know, uh, so this guy called and he said, who was the quarterback for this team when they won the Super Bowl? Well, he had a certain person in mind. So I found it for him. I found all the quarterbacks. There were only two. But he kept saying, that's not the name. That's not the name. So I read him every single quarterback on that team. And at the end, he's like, I guess who I was thinking of was not on that team. So, but, you know, it it, it is an interesting thing that people think it's all about books and reading but we give resources about we don't give legal advice but we point people to where the legal advice is uh, we don't give tax advice but we help you find your tax forms people will come in about you know old phone numbers that they find in the yellow pages we still have yellow pages you know so it's all about the resources in the community and where to find them that's what we are really about um, so I think you know that but then also you know it's just uh, there are some very unique things I think about the Seaside Library and, and some fun things that happen there that I haven't experienced anywhere else. Um, I just think our community is very full of a lot of great characters and it keeps my job very interesting. So a uh, lot of interesting stories from that. So That finishes off the episode. Thank you again to Esther Moberg for coming in and taking the time to talk to us. If you want to learn more about how things are run or want to get involved in your community, feel free to check out www.cityofseaside.us to stay updated with the latest of what's happening in Seaside, Oregon. Production and editing were done by Aiden Usley and Mary Roberto. Our music was produced by Tyler Froberg. This project was coordinated with the help of John Rail and Mike Verholst. Once again, we're your hosts Aiden and Mary signing off until the next episode of Seaside 101.